you just think we just, you know, whatever happens, we just shit another player. I, and everything's going to be perfect. All of our fans think that. You all think that. That's what you write about. You don't want to be here. There's a specific reason. Not really, you know, I think we did a poor job recruiting. If guys are coming in and immediately walking out the door because it was something different than what they thought it would be. And we lied to them during recruiting or we, we sold them on a dream that wasn't true. Is we want to be a big, fast, dominating, aggressive, relentless football team that nobody in the SEC wants to play. Now that's also a second in the West, baby. Yes, sir. <laughs> Winning the SEC probably is harder than winning the national championship. Do you know that? Well, how about the fucking dogs? <laughs> hey, buddy, this beer's for you, Mike, and cousin Shane. That SEC podcast loves the pirate, and the pirate loves that SEC podcast. Hail State. Welcome in the latest episode of That SEC Podcast, presented by MyBookie. I'm your host, Michael Breton. I go by SEC Mike on Twitter, and I'm joined, as always, by my cousin, Shane, who goes by Big Orange Vols on Twitter. What are you up to, you big Tennessee homer? <laughs> hey, buddy, what's going on? Oh, man, we're getting so, so close here to the season kickoff. I just can't wait. Mm-hmm. We got the uh, media teams. The poll just came out, so I'm fired up about that. We got two more interviews here. We got Mike Griffith, Dog Nation, Jason uh-huh. Swain from the Swain event, Tennessee, Georgia previews. Man, I'm fired up about it. And How about you, man? How you do it? <laughs> doing good man doing real good i was off the grid a little bit today mike uh so i wasn't on the twitter i was out enjoying the great smoky mountains went out hiking and uh it was fantastic but when i came back you know it was like all doom and gloom on twitter so uh i'm interested to see what kind of news i listed interviews though i will say that 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 did pet me back up uh we got some great stuff coming up here also saw there was a couple uniform reveals you know did you see that Oh, boy, did I ever. <laughs> the Gamecocks rolling with that all black. I'm not seeing yeah. what Tennessee is going to roll out, so that makes me think they might go. St- I always like that Stormtrooper look, the all white. Oh, that'd be good. Yeah. Yeah, well, I think, you know, when you're going to a funeral. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Gamecock fans, you got a few more days, and then I'm on to the next team. <laughs> and uh, Ole Miss, they're coming out with the powder blue. I don't know if we've talked about that. Florida. Yeah, they're even doing the state. Did you see that? They're doing the some paint scheme there. They're on the on the field. So mm-hmm. um, I, I'm very interested to see what Ole Miss is going to look like. In Florida, they've announced theirs. Oh, did you see their? Did you see the jersey reveal that they did? I thought that was awesome. So th- there's there's no more guessing what the Florida Gators are going to wear. They actually just said for every game what they will be wearing. So I thought there was even some throwbacks in there. So I thought that was pretty slick. Yeah, so they're going to open with the uh, the classic road whites. You know, as you assume, they're on the road at Ole Miss. But uh, uh, like you noted, there against Missouri, October twenty fourth, they're wearing they're wearing those uh, throwbacks that they wore last year against Auburn. It might be my favorite throwback in the SEC. Those classic Steve Spurrier looking Florida jerseys. So everybody's gearing up for the season. 
Man, it's getting close. I'm re- I'm I'm ready to make my picks right now. Dude, we got to hold off on that thing, but we're I'm ready to make them. You know what? I know. I got people asking me what am I picking. You know, I'm like, I want to tell them, but I'm gonna hold off. And the hot videos keep coming out. You know, I gave South Carolina a hard time, but uh, that hot video did give me some goosebumps, man. Uh, or what? It, chicken skin is that what they used to say? <laughs> <laughs> you know. Uh, I just, it, it gets, get me pumped up and it's all these schools are coming out with these hot videos and it's, it's, it's almost here, man. It's almost freaking here. Just a couple more days and then we get SEC football, Mike. Well, Hey, let's uh, talk about this media poll. So of course this normally comes out at the SEC media days, which we didn't get this year for obvious reasons, but they still pulled the media. They still came out with their poll and no surprise. Well, let's do, let's do this by division here. So okay. st- starting in the West, it can make the most sense. Obviously, Alabama, number one. That Most people got Alabama around number one. Mm-hmm. LSU, number two. Auburn, number three. Texas A&M, number four. And then how about this Egg Bowl rivalry? Ole Miss, Mississippi State tied for fifth. <laughs> Arkansas, seventh. So probably not a, not a lot of big uh, surprises there in your mind, is there? Uh, you know, I'm sure a lot of people aren't happy about the LSU placement um, just because they think that they should be in the second seat. But, I, I, I mean, I always thought those could go either way, and it just depends who you're talking to. So, yeah, no no huge surprises here. All right, to go to the East Division, this was the one, my God, I couldn't believe the reaction when I saw it. You said you were in the mountain. Let me just tell you what happened, Shade. It was just <laughs> damn chaos where everybody was saying, what in the hell? Had they seen the recruiting rankings? Florida <laughs> picked to win the East, like I've been Ooh. saying all damn offseason. It's not a huge mystery. Georgia, number two, but only by a slim, slim margin. So, again, uh-huh. no one's saying Florida's going to beat the hell out of Georgia. This is a very, very tight. And then a distant third, Tennessee, Kentucky, fourth, South Carolina, five, Missouri, six, Vanderbilt, seven. So I know you are higher on Georgia, mm-hmm. but can you honestly? You're not stunned that Florida is is the pick, are you? No, I I, sh- I share a podcast with a guy that predicted it. You know, <laughs> <laughs> right. so I mean, you know, what I'm saying I, there's a lot of people that are talking about this is Florida's year. So no, I'm not I'm not totally shocked here. I mean, it's close, wasn't it? Didn't you say the votes were pretty close on this thing? Yeah, so 53 votes. For Florida to finish first, mm-hmm. Georgia got forty-three, so it's a 10, 10 difference there. Okay. But all right, well, that's a that's a little surprising. I thought it'd be closer than that, but uh, no. I mean, for he, for example, Alabama in the West they got eighty-six. Yeah. Number two, LSU got eight. So I mean, that's like a massive difference. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So this a much much tighter race in the East. But let me ask you, Mike. Yes, let me sir. ask you something real quick, and you may be going to this. How much of this Florida-Georgia ranking right here has to do more with Alabama than it does actually either one of these teams? Mm. Yeah, I mean, that is a good good question because I think for whatever reason, I guess because it, it's kind of split in the East mm-hmm. and it's so Alabama heavy in the West, it's almost like both these teams are just kind of like, you know, we're picking apart each of them for their weaknesses, whereas it's almost like, which team are we sacrificing to Alabama in the title game? You know what I mean? Right. Like That's that's right. how I'm kind of reading into this. And it goes to that when, now this is kind of bizarre, but 
you also how this voting works for anybody obviously not in the media you you wouldn't know but they ask you to vote just the east just the west and then they ask you to pick an sec champion mm-hmm. and alabama of course was the big favorite 77 selections to win the sec but here's the weird thing so Florida got the most votes to win the East, but Georgia got the most votes, second most, I'm sorry, second most votes for SEC champion. Yeah. So Georgia second, tied with LSU. They also got, they each got seven votes, and then Florida got five votes to win the SEC. So that's pretty weird <laughs> if you think about it, but I guess, I guess the logic there is if Alabama and Georgia meet, these media members got a little bit more faith in Georgia to beat Alabama than they do Florida to beat Alabama, if that makes sense. Yeah, you had all them. You lost me at numbers there, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> You're seeing the hangover and all this. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm trying to define what the the the, the other angle is going to be. I don't know. I. I'm with you. This the way this thing plays out. I think it has more to do with matchups during the season than it does actually who they think the best team in the East and the West are, uh, and a lot of that I think hinges on Alabama. Uh, but you know, I it, I think it's still gonna whatever you say. It's gonna. I think this thing's gonna still be decided in Jacksonville, Florida. I mean, no, no matter which way you slice it. Yeah, and how about you know for anyone c- complaining that your team didn't get picked here. No need to complain if you really want to look at it. The last 18 years, Shane, the media has picked the correct winner seven times. So not even close to 50%. So, I mean, good luck, Alabama. (laughs) (laughs) That's like Shane gambling right there. (laughs) All right, Shane, so we don't got a ton of news here around the SEC. So I thought... uh, you know, we'll save this for, we did have the teleconference today, but I mean, it was, you know, kind of hit or miss, nothing new there so much on the first teleconference of the season. I was on that bad boy, two and a half hours of typing. I mean, my hands are just hurting thinking about it. Maybe that's why I don't want to talk about it, but hey, we got an interview here with Mike Griffith, Dog Nation. We're going to get to that in just a second. Then Jason Swain of the Swain event. So let's kick it over to Georgia to start. This was Kirby Smart talking about uh, the disrespect he's seeing when it comes to his Bulldogs in the preseason rankings, uh, specifically not the team, but the players on Arkansas skill position players. And then he was asked about Cade Mays, but he didn't really want to get into it here. Kirby, uh, on the defense this year, with all the talent and experience coming back, Besides complacency, injuries, or God forbid something COVID-related, what what really can you worry about with this defense? I don't know. It depends on who you ask. I didn't think we had a lot of uh, preseason hype with our defense in terms of all SEC guys, or uh, I would think that all the better defenses are somewhere else because I don't know that we put but two guys maybe. I don't know how many it was. Uh, Richard and Jordan were the only two I, I noticed on any of the accolades so for us to have all the great players are certainly not getting recognized that way um I think they played really hard last year I thought our defensive staff did a tremendous job 
uh, putting them in good positions. Um, a lot of things we could do better from last year, which is create more turnovers, uh, trying to create the havoc we talked about last year that we, we, we didn't get to do at the rate we would like to do it. Um, I did think we played well in the red area, and we did a pretty good job on third downs. I mean, we, at the end of the day, we kept people from scoring. That was probably the most important stat there is uh, with the scoring defense we had. Um, but, I mean, what keeps us from doing that, again, uh, probably ourselves and, and the teams we play and, uh, you know, potentially, you know, what, it depends on what happens with offense, too. If you're scoring a lot of points, a lot of times people are playing you different. We were in a lot of tight ball games last year, it seemed like, and uh, probably some weather conditions that were favorable for the defense in terms of some tough weather conditions to play in throughout the year. Thanks, Claude. Uh, hey, Coach. So, you know, projections have you guys winning big on Saturday. Um, but, you know, what, what on this Arkansas offense in particular um, are you looking out for and that you don't want to underestimate heading into this game? Well, Arkansas has got a great skill. Look, Chad Morris knows what he's doing when he recruited a lot of these guys that are big athletes. A lot of them played last year. They have a, uh, a lot of matchup issues for us. Uh, they got two really good tight ends. They got one of the best backs in the SEC. But Sam's been coaching the offensive line for a long time, and he's got an O-line coach that he's known for a long time. So I'm not falling into that trap uh, of, of bringing a, a, a young offensive football team on our side of the ball falling into thinking that it's, it's going to be one of these tight games. That's not the case. Our kids are going in. They got a lot of respect for Coach Pittman. They got a lot of respect for – we know they'll practice hard just like we practice hard, and they got a good football team. And uh, it shows up when you look and say, okay, what has uh, these guys done? What has Coach Browns done in his history? He's run a lot of plays. He's run really fast. Uh, he's not going to sit there and let us get our – boots dug in the ground and, and, and play defense. He's going to make us play, you know, left-handed. And our job is to gain the players. Coach, I want to ask you about Cade Mays. It's, Tennessee's talked a lot about this player. They accused Georgia of having a toxic, toxic atmosphere and asked if you've written a release. I mean, what, where, what is your stance on Cade and some of the things that Jeremy Pruitt has said the last three weeks over and over? Well, unfortunately, I'm not able to respond to that. So, in due time, it'll play itself out. But it's not something I'm allowed to comment on. All right, buddy. So, man, if Georgia is feeling disrespected about not getting a much, enough love with the, uh, you know, these SEC polls and how good their defense is, feeling pretty bad for Arkansas because it seems like they're going to want to take it out on the Razorbacks. I'm telling you, man. Oh, Georgia's taking a lot of bad PR here lately. And uh, if you, I don't know if that's something you – you know, that you've seen there on, on the old Twitter. It's just they're getting attacked from every different angle, mm -hmm. from players that have left to uh, current situations down there now. So, you know, I think when you have that, when you have all that noise out there, sometimes it helps and it, and it, and it uh, galvanizes a locker room and, and the boys are just like, you know what, just – F them, you know, turn off, turn off the noise out there. If they want to think that we're not the best, that's fine. Let them think that and kind of have that attitude. It's us against the world. And, and that kind of scares you, mm -hmm. you know, if you're the opposing team, especially in a, in a rebuild like Sam Pittman has, you know, I, I'm, I'm telling you, Georgia's going to come out. They're going to make a damn statement. You know, a lot of people got onto Kirby last year about being too, you know, yeah, I don't know. Conservative, I guess, is the word that mm -hmm. you would use. I don't. I don't see that, man. I see. I see Georgia coming out and wanting to make a statement, a bold statement, week one. Yeah, and it kind of reminds me. I'm glad you said that. Of uh, Coach O up there at LSU last year, block out the noise. 
mm-hmm. you know, one team, one heartbeat, and it was just kind of them against the world. And hell, no one was picking them. Yeah. Speaking of the media poll, to pick, to win the SEC, to win the West, no one thought Joe Burrow was going to be the Heisman Trophy winner. That didn't mean anything to them. They just went out there and lowered their head. And, you know, at the end of the day, this might be all this negativity right leading up to the season. This might prove to be the best thing that ever happened to Kirby Smart in his program. If they mm-hmm. focus that energy in the right way and they're getting the right opponent out the gate to build some confidence before getting into a rugged, rugged stretch here in the SEC. So, hey, let's uh, let's jump over to our interview, Shane, of Mike Griffith. Really gracious with his time here. Of course, Dog Nation AJC is a Heisman Trophy voter. He's covered the <laughs> SEC for a long, long time. Auburn, Tennessee. He even covered Mich- Michigan State for a little while when they ran, made their run to the college football playoff. And he just does an outstanding job. He's always an entertaining interview. So let's kick it over to Mike Griffith, Dog Nation. All right, we're pleased now to be joined by Mike Griffith. You can follow him at MikeGriffith32 on Twitter. And this guy's a must-follow. He works for the Atlanta Journal-Constitution's Dog Nation, the go-to site for anything Georgia football and recruiting. He's a Heisman voter. And, man, he's covered the SEC longer than just about anybody on the beat. So, Mike, I really do appreciate you hopping on the line with us here. Thanks, Mike. I appreciate it, man. Hey, so I'm going to get, uh, you know, firing right away because I know you got, that it's game week. I, we're finally here. We got so much going on and there's so much news in Athens. But what I really wanted to ask you, because I've been, I've been hearing you hype up this unit all off season. How good is this Georgia defense going to be this year? Yeah, they're pretty good, Mike. It's funny, you know, Kirby Smart was talking the other night. And he said, well, maybe they're not as good as people think because they only had two guys voted preseason first team all SEC by the coaches, and that's safety Richard McCount and nose tackle Jordan Davis. And Jordan's a big 6'6", 347 guy. I mean, he moves really well. Good feet. You know, his job is really to occupy people, you know, so you don't necessarily see those nose tackles put up numbers or get sacks, but you got two guys on him, and, uh, you know, it's his saying, two on me, somebody's free. And, and that's where those Georgia linebackers are freed up to make plays. So it, it's a really good unit, Mike. They bring back eight of 11 starters from last year. Uh, about 80% of the production comes back from a team that led the nation in scoring defense and run defense and ranked third in total defense and eighth in pass efficiency defense. So they did some really good things. LSU was the only team they played that scored more than two touchdowns on them. And uh, obviously LSU was, was pretty dynamic, and, and really Georgia was in position to make some plays. Uh, Got to give LSU a lot of credit. Uh, they had some guys just beat some Georgia guys one-on-one. But it, it's schemed up really well. It, it's very talented, and it's layered with very good depth. And I think that's what makes it championship caliber. Now, you know, you still got to score points to win, but as far as that Georgia defense goes, uh, I, I, I don't know that they'll be any better in the league this year. Now, you mentioned, you know, not a lot of uh, all-SEC selections in the preseason. So I'm assuming you think there's going to be a lot more of those guys all-SEC by the end of the season. Is that fair to say? Well, you know, the interesting thing about having depth, you know, for Georgia, for example, I'll give you a good example. Aziz Ajawari was one of seven semifinalists for freshman of the year. But he didn't make all-SEC. He didn't even make preseason first, second, or third team. He had 34 quarterback pressures, five and a half sacks, and that's good. But there's other ends with bigger numbers. Well, Aziz is backed up by Jermaine Johnson, um, you know, who's a six foot six, two hundred and sixty pound guy that was the number one junior college transfer in the nation two years ago, 
and also by Nolan Smith, who was the number one recruit in the nation two years ago. So you, you go three deep of future NFL players and you're sharing snaps, you're not going to have the same numbers that that Vanderbilt outside linebacker will that's on the field all day and probably making two times more tackles than you because he can't get off the field in three downs and he doesn't have a good backup. So a lot of times when people look and vote all SEC, they look at statistics. And, and that's not favorable for good uh, championship uh, defensive units. Now, Alabama, I think, gets a nod because they've been so good for so long defensively. Really haven't been the last couple of years when you think about it. But I, I think there's some cachet to that name. And, and I think that you know a lot of those guys get the nod uh, primarily because of the team that they're on. So uh, I don't know how many postseason uh, guys Georgia will have on it. I think if they win the league, that will have a lot to do with it. To the victor goes the spoils. Um, but I can tell you there's a lot of NFL players on that defense. And as I look at the starting unit, um, I'd venture to say that probably maybe nine or ten of them will eventually be playing in the NFL out of the 11 that start. Now, I really wanted to ask you about George Pickens going into his second year there at Georgia. And I assume you've seen the uh... – I think it was Georgia or the SEC one. They tweeted out, you know, the SEC inside show, and it was clips of Georgia just going at it in practice. And, you know, we just went down the list, all the Georgia defenders there. But the guy that caught my eye was George Pickens. I mean, he was making plays, and he just looks like, you know, he was already good. But I think he's going to have an All-American type year. Do you think he can live up to that potential this fall? Well, you got to have a quarterback that delivers the ball, right? And, and uh, you got to have a scheme that, that throws the ball enough. Again, a statistical reliant position. You know, you don't see a lot of guys, you know, make All-American without 1,000 yards. And Georgia's only had a couple guys do that in their history, believe it or not, A.J. Green and Terrence Edwards. So they don't have a track record uh, of guys making 80 to 90 catches. Um, you know, if a guy makes 50 catches at Georgia, that's pretty good. They like to spread the ball around again. Uh, Kirby isn't a, a guy that's typically gone tempo. You know, they're going to try and have 70, 75 snaps. They're not going to try to have 90 to 100. Um, we've seen some great offenses do that, Mike. You know, I remember those Butch Jones teams, uh, mm -hmm. you know, led the SEC and, and set a single season record for offense. But when you play 90 to 100 snaps, that's a lot of mileage on your defense. And it kind of wears your team out. We saw that, what was it, 2016? I guess Tennessee started 5 and 0. And, and, and was rolling, and then all of a sudden everybody started falling over injured, and the team being flopped, went nine and four, and the coach was out. So, uh, you know, those offense, Kevin Sumlin at Texas A&M, I guess, is another example of that. Aggies would always bait in November, seemed like they were burned out. No, they were playing 90, 100 snaps a game. Everybody else was playing 70 to 80. In a month, that's like you're playing five games and everybody's playing four. So, uh, you know, the game plan and the tempo has a lot to do with who gets the numbers. Uh, so to answer your question, don't know that George will be an All-American, but I do believe he could be a first-round NFL draft pick. Very talented guy, 6'3", uh, 6'4", incredible um, catch, catch range. I mean, anything around him, he's going to get. Uh, decent speed, right? Not mm -hmm. the fastest guy, but he's got good game speed. So he can beat you deep, uh, but where he really gets you is on those out routes. You know, the quarterback throws a well-placed ball to the outside where George is the only one that can get it or it's incomplete. I think you'll see a lot of that from George. And uh, he's also a very aggressive guy. So he'll beat up that cornerback when he's blocking, when he's not going out for routes, and he'll fight off that press man. So for George Pickens, it's really about uh, keeping his emotions in check. We saw him get thrown out of that Georgia Tech game last year for some extracurricular after the whistle. A lot of teams are going to try and bait him, Mike. So it's going to be up to George to manage the emotion 
And it's going to be up to Georgia to find a quarterback that can get him the ball. Now, is this the year you think Zamir White lives up to the hype? Because I'm hearing a lot of good things about the Georgia running back. You know, we all know he's had some injury setbacks. Now looks good to go. What uh, type of season are you expecting for Zamir White? Yeah, I don't know that he'll ever live up to being the number one running back in the nation. And that's what he was when he was coming out of high school, before that second knee injury that you talked about. So he's had ACL surgery on both of his knees. Last year, he didn't really play a whole lot because DeAndre Swift got most of the carries and Brian Herring got a little bit of the work. thought he looked okay in the Sugar Bowl against Baylor. Um, started to see a little bit more of him. But, but what's happened to Zamir is I think he's kind of the – you know, the, the traditional eye back, you know, the deep back, the Adrian Peterson type that you want to get, you know, 10 yards deep in the backfield and gets a run and start and hits the line of scrimmage. And Georgia, I think, is kind of switching into a little bit more of that single back, three, four wide set where he's going to have to do more in space. So, you know, maybe this doesn't play to his strength, but it's probably really good for Zamir because a lot of NFL teams want to, want to see backs that can catch the ball out of the backfield and can operate effectively out of shotgun. I do think it kind of neutralizes some of his strengths. I still expect to see him in short yardage, goal line, third down, things like that, and, and probably first down even. But James Cook is the guy who really fits back there, one of those human joystick kind of guys, really good in space. Reminds me a little bit of a young Alvin Kamara. Now, Alvin's done some great things in the NFL. He's grown up a lot since college, and, and James is not where Alvin Kamara is right now. So I want to be very clear on that. He's got a ways to go before he can see, before he's up to the level of the New Orleans Saints' Alvin Kamara. But he might be the Alvin Kamara that was a junior-senior at Tennessee um, in terms of his ability to do things in the open field and, and run good routes and catch the ball. So you've got two really good backs there. And another guy named Kenny McIntosh to keep an eye out for. As the season progresses, Kenny's got a nice blend of that power and open field ability, uh, made the most of his opportunities last year. So they got decent backs back there, Mike. I'm just not ready to say that, that it's going to be in the lineage of uh, uh, Swift, Michelle, Chubb, Gurley. I'm just not ready to say this next guy kind of rolls off the tongue yet. We'll have to wait and see. All right, so what's the tougher game for Georgia this year, in your opinion? I think everybody's circling Alabama, but I think Florida may be the real – I mean, obviously that's another big game, but if you had to pick one, which one do you think will be the tougher test for Georgia this season? Well, it would probably be Alabama because of their offense. You know, Alabama puts up points. Um, you know, it's what they've done. And I know they've got a little bit of a quarterback situation, but they've got probably the best running back in the league. And it's a road game. Um, you know, there's going to be a lot at stake, uh, a lot of eyes on that game, top five showdown. You know, the Florida game for Georgia, they've won three straight now, Mike. And, and they've won it pretty decisively. I know last year was a touchdown, but Georgia was in complete control of that game. In fact, going into the fourth quarter last year, Florida had negative yards rushing and only three points on the board. They kind of got their points because Kirby might have backed off a little bit, like he did against Auburn when they were up 21-0 going in the fourth quarter. Georgia gets a little more conservative on defense, starts trading some yardage underneath for time, and, and plays that game out. That's kind of how Kirby does it. So uh, you know, Florida lost three or four senior receivers, and they lost their running back. Now, they got their quarterback, Trask, back, but their offensive line wasn't real good last year. Uh, they're one year older. I don't know that they're one year better. Uh, defensively, they lost some strength up the middle, right? They, you know, they lost their middle linebacker, uh, some interior defensive linemen, and they had some breakdowns at safety that Georgia was able to um, exploit. So from a matchup standpoint, I think Alabama is a tougher game. Uh, the fact that Georgia has to get on an airplane and fly to Florida, though, for, for what should be a home game, that, that could be tricky. I don't know where we're going to be with COVID the first week in November. 
Um, you know, both teams have a bye week. Uh, and I don't know where Georgia will be record-wise either. I mean, they got a tough stretch with, uh, you know, after Arkansas, you got to play Auburn at home, right? And then you got to play Tennessee. And then you got to play Alabama. Then you got to play Kentucky. You got those four games right there. If Georgia trips up twice and, and Florida somehow stays undefeated, it's a different game. You know, Florida's playing for the East, and Georgia's kind of saying we're out of this thing, right? Um, but from a matchup standpoint, because of Alabama's offensive talent, that gives them the best chance to move the ball on this defense, and that would put pressure on the Georgia offense. I don't see another team right now that can put pressure on the Georgia offense because what I think Georgia will do, Mike, is they're, they're not going to uh, – I know they've talked an explosive game, but until JT Daniels is under center, I think you're still going to see a pretty conservative game plan. And uh, I don't think, you know, the way to beat Georgia is to force them into, into getting aggressive on offense. That's, that's been the formula. That's how LSU did it, and that's how Alabama did it. I don't know that I think Florida can do that. All right, so I'm not going to ask you for a record prediction because, you know, we all know what a weird year this is and, you know, just 10 games. So, you know, even winning nine games is probably a good year, but that's not a good record normally. So by the end of the season – Final SEC East standings. Where are you picking Georgia to finish in those SEC East standings? I think they'll win the East. I do. I, I you know, I, I, the schedule's not good for them. I, I know when you look at the the whole. The, if you look, wait a minute. Look, look at who they play. The problem is the way they play them, and the problem is is that the offense has got to come together. And there's no grace period. I say you get one warm up game, right? You get Arkansas, and, and you don't really have your quarterback. JT Daniels is, is going to be the guy when he gets back from the knee. So you don't really get those reps with him. And then again, like I said, I'll say it again, Auburn, Tennessee, Alabama, Kentucky. To me, that's the most physical four-game stretch that anybody's going to play in the league. Um, you know, Auburn is a rivalry for Georgia, as you know. Um, Tennessee is, is a physical team. I mean, you know, Jeremy's guys might not beat you, but they're going to bruise you up, right, defensively. And then Alabama's Alabama. Uh, and, and then Kentucky has kind of come on and – you know, you got to give Kentucky credit. I think Mark Stoops has done a nice job recruiting, and they're very good at the line of scrimmage. I don't know if that they have the dynamic skill players uh, to scare you if you're Georgia, but they're good at the line of scrimmage. And that's a tough four-game stretch for Georgia to survive. Um, so that makes it tough. But I'm just – I'm not sold on Florida. I, I guess I just – what I saw from Florida against Georgia, um, it was not impressive. I mean, Georgia has handled that series the last three. It's been convincing. It hasn't been a, oh, boy, that was close. No, it really wasn't. And so uh, and there's no reason for me to think that'll be different when I look at Florida's personnel because they lost uh, so many key guys uh, in terms of experience at receiver and, and a really good running back. Now, they may have some guys emerge, Mike. We might have this conversation in three weeks, and I might go, oh, my gosh, Florida sure does have a lot more playmakers than I thought. Um, as you said, things can happen. Or Georgia can have injuries. You know, we were talking about you know Tennessee a minute ago. I think they lost about half their defense off that top 10 team in 2016. So if she gets four or five injuries on defense, this could be a different conversation. But as things stand, I, I like Georgia to win the East. And I think it's wide open as far as who could be second. You know, Tennessee, Kentucky, Florida. Um, I, I, I think any, any, who knows? I mean, does Will Muschamp put something special together? So um, I, I do think Georgia's a, a, a level ahead of the rest of the East. Well, Mike, I guess you haven't heard. Uh, Dan Mullen says they're only seven points behind him, but uh, <laughs> I think you make yeah. a lot of good points. Well, they there. were on the scoreboard. That was the final score. And, you know, Eli Wolf with that third and seven catch to run off the clock, 
Um, you know, Kirby kind of played it close on his conservatism. It bit him against Alabama in the SEC title game a couple times, right? Mm-hmm. So uh, I guess that's just kind of my thought right there is as things sit, right, as things stand on September 23rd, in a week we might have a completely different conversation. Hey, I, I, I got to get you out of here on this final one here. I know you got to get going here, but I think Kirby Smart, I think he's now the best recruiter in the SEC, better than even Nick Saban. Is Kirby Smart going to deliver a national championship to Georgia before his uh, coaching tenure in Athens comes to an end? Well, that's, that's a tough one. You know, it takes time. It took Spurrier seven years at Florida, right? Mm-hmm. Year five for Kirby. I'm trying to think. I think Philip was what? Maybe three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Philip was year six. This is year five. And, and it's not played in a vacuum, right? So, you know, Big Ten, Ohio State's only got to play eight games this year. Clemson plays an ACC schedule. You know, sometimes the best team doesn't win a national championship. You know, Georgia was the best team in 2017 and didn't win. Um, so you, you got to get there and you got to get a little lucky. Um, he could. I think he'll have him in position to, for sure. Uh, Georgia's got a lot to offer, Mike. One of the keys is that their facilities are catching up. They've, they've had $150 million in the facilities improvements since Kirby's been hired uh, in, in 2016. That's big. They were behind in facilities. They were lagging behind. So the fact that they're getting that football building, and the fact that they added the West End Zone, uh, they're catching up to the Tennessees and the LSUs and the Alabamas of the world that have those elite facilities. That's going to help a lot. Um, you know, they got a great in-state recruiting base in the state of Georgia. That certainly helps too. But uh, you know, when the pedal hits the mat, you got to get it done. And uh, uh, I guess if I was a betting guy, I would say probably. I wouldn't bet the house on it, though, because I've seen a lot of great coaches. How long did it take Bobby Bowden, right, before he won his title in 93? He'd been been at it quite a while. Steve Spurrier, for all those great Florida teams, only won one. So it it, it takes some luck. It takes being in the right place at the right time. And, you know, as it stands with Ohio State only having to play eight games and Clemson playing in the ACC, I'm going to tell you, those teams are going to have a lot less mileage on them than these SEC teams that have 10 games. So, um, I think that happened to Alabama a couple of years ago when Clemson beat him for the national title. The Alabama team we saw in the regular season was outstanding. But by the time they got to Clemson, uh, two was Gimpy, injured, and they weren't the same team they were in November and uh, October. So it, it's a long season. Um, Kirby, Kirby probably will, but I don't think it's a slam dunk, Mike. I really don't. All right, he's Mike Griffith. You can Once again, you can follow him at MikeGriffith32. Head on over to Dog Nation for everything Georgia Bulldogs related, even recruiting news. They're deep diving on that stuff, too. Mike, I really, really appreciate you hopping on with us here. Uh, That means a lot to me. Thanks, Mike. I appreciate your work as well. All right, Shane. So a lot of good stuff there from Mike talking about uh, this Georgia defense. Seemed like he was really trying to temper expectations, though, I thought a little bit on the offense. Mm -hmm. Maybe we've been hyping them up a little too much. And I was really hoping to get him to make you know, a, some kind of controversial statement when it comes to Kirby winning the national championship. And, you know, I was kind of surprised he didn't go with an easy yes. So, I don't know. What was your, uh, what, what was your thoughts on that, uh, just that conversation with Mike Griffith of Dog Nation? Oh, Mike, he's been in the game too long, brother. You can't, <laughs> you can't box him in, you know? <laughs> right. I tried. I tried. <laughs> You know, uh, you, you talk about him. You talk about a man's got a pulse on the team, man. I, I mean, you hear most of these questions that Kirby's answering is coming from him. You right. know, some of the sound bites that we've been putting out. So, 
Uh, I always love having him on. Of course, I liked him a little bit more when he was up here in Tennessee, but you know, I still, I still like hearing him down there. You know what I'm saying? So, um, I don't know, just maybe, maybe the hype train, you know, cause there's, there is a little bit, there's people out there, myself included that think, you know, this is the year that Georgia does make some noise that they really have a good shot. They got a good squad. They're deep and, and definitely in a year that you need to have competitive depth. So, but I was, uh, I don't know. I don't want to say taken back, but Maybe, maybe I was, maybe I was a little too pro Georgia and, you know, just even the, the running back comments, you know, it's mm-hmm. just, I, I'm looking forward to this. Uh, we're, we're so used to a stable of running backs down there in Athens and it's kind of like, well, you know, let's, let's hold off. You know, this isn't girly. This isn't, you know what I'm saying? Right. So, um, I, I'm just kind of wondering if, if they just maybe in the past their expectations have been too too high and that's why they keep getting put on the not the hot seat but you know keep everybody's looking at them and you know this year they're maybe maybe they're trying a different approach i don't know mike what what do you think yeah i like what you're saying and you know one other thing that stood out to me from that interview that maybe i should mention this because as you know i mean he knows this roster this program better than others and mm-hmm. He's talking to people inside that building and the people that are scouting Florida. And it just doesn't seem like the people that know Georgia best. I don't want to say they got no respect for Florida, but it's almost like they would be very, very surprised if the Gators could man up with Georgia this year. And we know, we all know the history. Dan Mullins never had a lot of success against Kirby Smart's defense. So maybe that's a big part of it. And this may be the best Kirby Smart defense ever. So that was probably my takeaway from it. It was just, you know, it's almost like Georgia's not even concerned about Florida at this point compared yeah. to, you know, people down there. So they're look, they're, they got their eyes on that Alabama game. But I still, I think that Florida's got to be the one they, they've got to have the most attention on. And uh, I love the fact that he did reference that uh, Jacksonville game, the world's largest outdoor cocktail party. He, you know, a lot of those Georgia people don't want, they hate going down there to Florida. So they're trying to get that thing <laughs> into Athens, be a home and home. So I thought uh-huh. it was kind of funny that he referenced that as well. Yeah, no, I think, and well, I mean, too, you, you've got Alabama before you've got Florida. So, mm-hmm. you know, maybe that's too part of the approach. It's like, yeah, I'm, I'm worried about Alabama because we got them here in a couple of weeks as opposed to Florida. We've got a little time, you know what I'm saying? So, right. right. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I think, I think Georgia's going to, I don't know. I just think Georgia's got a lot to prove this year. Um, and you know, this, I think this is like the put up year, like, like we've been dancing. You've been Mark Rick in it long enough. It's time to actually make some noise, compete, win an sec even. So if, if, if there were, if there was a time you would think it would be this year, just because of, like I said, the, the amount of depth that they have on that roster. All right, so let's kick it over to uh, Rocky Top real quick. Where oh, we, we talked about Cade Mays there for a minute, so that was something that Jeremy Pruitt just briefly hit on here on Wednesday evening. Sounds like he's kind of fed up with this whole thing. So let's kick it over to him. That was basically the only only clip I really wanted to play just because it kind of has something to do with Georgia there. Kurt, we got Kirby's thoughts on it. So let's uh, let's give Pruitt his comment here. 
Jeremy, I'm curious your reaction to Commissioner Sankey saying earlier this afternoon he had no timetable for making a ruling on anybody uh, waiting on a, a transfer waiver for immediate eligibility. And he also noted that if the rule was to be changed, that it's up to the member institutions to, to make that change. I just kind of wonder your reaction to that as you're in game week and three guys in the league are trying to find out whether they're going to be allowed to play on Saturday or not. You know, there's been a lot of questions about this. Uh, you know, I've said numerous times and that, um, you know, the, what a great job Greg has done uh, leading us through this pandemic. Uh, you know, my, I guess my question is, is uh, I don't, I, I just know about Cade. Uh, I know that he's met with um, lots of professionals uh, and it was submitted to the NCAA and they felt like that he needed to play this year. So, um, you know, nobody from the SEC has contacted us to ask to meet with Cade. So based off the decision of the NCAA, I don't know um, how they would keep him from playing unless we just want to say it's a rule that we voted on. Um, you know, when you sit in somebody's home, um, recruiting them, um, you're involved with 120 kids every day. The circumstances that have went on, uh, not just in the last six or seven months, but um, my whole coaching career, you know, our first priority has got to be our student athletes. Um, and, you know, and, and, and to me, keeping them, uh, you know, going, working toward a degree and, and being the best football players that they, they possibly can be. And so, um, in my opinion, we have to we have to really uh, sit back and look and and see what we what really is the right thing to do here. All right, Shane. So I mean, I know you we are right there with mm. Coach Pruitt on this one. I know it may be a rule, but maybe it's time to change this rule. And if the NCA said he's good, why is there a hold up here? And I, I mean, I think Kentucky fans are screaming the same thing with Joey Gatewood at Ole Miss fans with Otis Reese. So I don't know. I don't know what more can be said here. Aside from, you know, I've heard plenty of Georgia fans, it's a rule. Why would we change the rule? But just because there is a rule doesn't mean it's a good one, does it? No, because times are changing, man. And I know it's easy for me to say because I'd be the, the benefactor of this of this decision. But just even if it's not permanently, you would think one year, 2020, with what's going on in this country, that... I mean, we, there's a good, I mean, Mike, I, I don't want to talk about the elephant in the room, but there's a shot that we don't get to finish this season. I mean, that's a realistic possibility here. And so we're going to just hold everything up because of, of a rule like that. When we broke 15 freaking rules to start this season late, you know what I'm saying? Right. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> come on. So it's like, okay, so now now we're going to hide behind, you know, a, a ruling of, of something that happened many years ago, and, and it doesn't relate to this situation. So um, I, I'm, I'm a little indifferent, a little, little peeved about the situation, obviously, but it's not just it's not just Cade, man. There's, there's so many other freaking athletes in the SEC that are waiting for the same decision. 
You know, we've got a quarterback up there in, in Kentucky that may have to step in. I mean, we're talking about a guy that's coming off a major injury. What happens? And then you got Joey Gatewood that can step in, but now he can't because of some rule that was made. I mean, you know, I, I, I think it's dumb. I think it's a, a terrible rule, especially for 2020, uh, with, with, like I said, so many were broken to start the season. Well, hey, speaking of Tennessee, like I teased there, we got an interview with former Tennessee and NFL receiver Jason Swain, host of the Swain event, which airs weekdays from 7 a.m. to 10 a.m. Eastern time. Head on over to SwainEvent.com, download the app. He's got a brand new app coming out, and follow him at SwainEvent on Twitter. Let's kick it over to Jason Swain. Just really want to get your thoughts on, you know, heading into the year three of Jeremy Pruitt era. Well, I mean, there's certainly a lot of excitement. Uh, I think folks are expecting, you know, that, that year three turn that we normally see with a new coach taking over a program. It is a little bit different this year with everything that's going on with COVID. Um, but you, you know that he has done a good job recruiting and um, you know he's going to develop those players. So, you know, we're just looking for that. That, that that year three turn, uh, understanding that it's a 10-game conference schedule, and so uh, the record may not be what it typically is during a normal situation in year three because you have so many other pretty much built-in wins uh, in the schedule. But, I mean, I, I'm looking forward to seeing guys, you know, make that make that jump, you know, several positions. Um, we understand the quarterback position, how important that is, but – just not with veteran guys, but with some young guys that played last year looking forward to them to make big jumps in the second year and third year. Now, let me ask you this, though. is this um, When's the last time that Tennessee's been on such good standing as a program that it is now with Coach Fulmer and Coach Pruitt building this thing back up? Can you, you know, is there a time you remember Tennessee? You know, I know they're not, you know, national title contenders or anything at this point, but certainly looks like they're going to be in the running for SEC here soon. Probably about nine, between 18, 19, 20 years ago, honestly, uh, from all the stories I've heard about, you know, AD, President, Chancellor all being aligned and being on the same page. Um, you know, there was an AD change after 2002, and, um, you know, things just, just you know, it was a little, 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 little weird there. You know, I was a player, so I, I didn't see anything. I was concentrating on playing and doing my job, but, um, you know, just the stories I hear – that's the last time that really everyone's on the same page. And so um, it's good to see that, see everyone align, you know, from Chancellor Plowman to, you know, uh, President Boyd to Coach Fulmer to Coach Pruitt. It seems like that those four are uh, on the same page. And that's that's kind of the first step you got to have. I mean, uh, that doesn't guarantee you that you're going to win, doesn't guarantee you that you're going to be successful. But I think you got to have that. To, to have success and to, uh, to to continue to be successful. Um, so they have that. Now they just have to recruit, develop, win some games, and um, you know, rinse and repeat, do it all over again. Well, hey, man, you were probably the best person to ask in all the media about Tennessee receivers and how those guys are coached. So I wanted to ask you about T. Martin, the job he's been doing up there uh, based on everything you know and, and just – you know, how good Juwan Jennings was last year. Marquez Callaway is now with the Saints. So what's your thoughts on uh, T. Martin, and who's going to be his lead receiver this year on Rocky Top? Well, I think his lead receiver is going to be Josh Palmer. I mean, Palmer's a guy that's, 
you know, he's he, he's possessed the tools for a couple of years now. It's just him having the confidence to to have that Jawan Jennings type of mentality and demand the football. And, and and you don't necessarily have to demand it verbally, but you demand it in how you carry yourself, how you run routes, how you finish routes, how you finish plays when you get the ball in your hands. And and when you do that, uh, the ball continues to come your way over and over and over by how you play. And that's what happened with Juwan. And Josh got a chance to learn that firsthand from Juwan, just how to just how to carry yourself, man, as a football player on the field. Um, and Josh has physically better tools than Juwan. So for Josh, it's just it's just mentally just just unleashing himself, unleashing the dog inside, um, and, and doing that. As far as T. Martin. T knows what it's supposed to look like. He knows what a Tennessee receiver is supposed to look like. Uh, a Tennessee receiver that is feared among SEC DBs, a Tennessee receiver that has the opportunity to play at the next level. T threw to those guys um, as a player. He um, saw Peyton, you know, be successful throwing to those guys. He also threw to them in practice. And then when it became his his turn, he did the same thing with guys like Peerless Price that played uh, at a high level in the NFL. So he just knows what it's supposed to look like. He's done a great job coaching, developing outside Tennessee at USC. He turned UNC, USC into one of the teams and programs that was considered as, as wide receiver U. Um, and now he's doing the same thing here at Tennessee. And you know, T, T brings credibility. You know, he brings trust because he understands what it's like to be in the shoes of these players. Um, and that was a big thing for Jawan. I mean, uh, the previous regime, there was just not a lot of trust there. And it frustrated Jawan, uh, as we know by his, you know, his, his video rant that got him in trouble. But um, Jawan's passion, you got to have a real coach, a real person, someone that can identify with players and be a good coach. And T is exactly that. Now, I'm glad you talked about USC because that, the next guy I wanted to ask you about, the USC graduate transfer, Valuse Jones Jr., play for T. Martin at USC. Now he's here. Tennessee is last year. What are you expecting? What can Vol fans expect from uh, this this guy who, everything I hear, I mean, he's just incredibly fast, probably going to be, you know, a, a day one kick returner. But what kind of impact are you expecting him to make on the offense? I, mean, I expect him just to, just, to, just to play fast, not second guess. You know, sometimes when you are a youngster or you step into a new role, sometimes you can – you, know, you can kind of second guess uh, when you're playing big time football, but a guy like Jones, you know, he's played at the highest level uh, there at the Pac-12, um, so he understands, you know, big games, big moments, the speed you type, the, the speed you need to play with, uh, the control speed you got to play with, the preparation it takes, the, the concentration, uh, being locked in during game week, just the approach uh, mentally that it takes to not only prepare for a game, but um, the ebbs and flows during the game to to stay locked in and not get too high when you make good plays and not get too low when other team makes really good plays. Um, that's what he brings, man, that, that experience and confidence. And then uh, speed, something that Tennessee wanted to address for uh, a couple months now, uh, just addressing team speed, wanted to do that wide receiver position. They did that with freshmen. Um, Jones brings speed and experience um, and a, a dimension in the special teams game that Tennessee hasn't had since Cam Sutton and Eric Berry, a guy that can take it to the distance and really take the pressure off the offense and defense. Now, at this point last year on your show, the Swain event, you were hyping up a young man by the name of Eric Gray. And by the end of the season, 
I mean, he was looking mm-hmm. like maybe Tennessee's best player on offense at, at the skill mm-hmm. positions. So what can you share with us about the freshmen coming in this year? You know, there's so much buzz about Jalen Hyatt, Malachi Wideman. Uh, which one of these freshmen, specifically at the receiver, are you expecting to make the biggest impact for Tennessee this year? I mean, if I had to pick one, I would, I would pick Hyatt just because he's a guy that is a little bit more polished than Malachi Wideman. I mean, Malachi's going to make some plays that's going to make your jaw drop. I, I understand that just because athletically he's he's gifted. Uh, and Jalen is gifted too, but Jalen is, is a guy that's been playing the position. Uh, he's been playing wide receiver. I think that makes a difference. You know, I came in, um, you know, playing high school receiver for four years. And the guys I came in with, although they were All-Americans as well, you know, they played quarterback and running back for their schools. And so it took them a little bit longer to, to to get used to running routes at the college level. Uh, and once they did, they were good to go. But I just had a little bit of advantage at the beginning. And I think Jalen Hyatt has a little bit of an advantage as well. Uh, he's speed. Um, he's certainly top-notch. and he, he, He's the fastest player probably on the team coming in. But uh, the, biggest, the biggest, I won't say surprise, but a pleasant, pleasant surprise has been um, – just how complete he's been coming in. So I expect guys to make plays here and there. You know, we saw Romel Keaton make plays uh, in big time moments. Uh, so I expect guys to, to make plays um, here and there throughout the season. But I do think that Jalen Hyatt probably be the best freshman receiver if I had to pick one. Now uh, Tennessee, big rivals here. Well, I mean, it's not been too competitive here lately, but it, it seems like Pruitt's getting it back to that level. Alabama. Georgia, Florida, which opponent do you think Tennessee most likely to beat of those three this season? Uh, if I had to pick one of the three, I would probably say Georgia is probably the best the best chance, even though you look at their defense, and their defense is really stout and probably the best out of the three. But um, you look at some of the shortcomings of Georgia, uh, the quarterback depth, new offensive coordinator, circumstances of COVID, uh, their new quarterback is is, is – you know, coming off a major injury, and so there's going to be some 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 time of, of acclimation, and Tennessee's playing them third game of the season. So, uh, you asked me the best chance, I would probably say Georgia, uh, and then after that, I would probably say Florida because you, you got those guys. You know, late November is really really cold. I don't know if the Gators are used to playing in cold weather. <laughs> uh, they have beaten Missouri and and and, and uh, competed in cold weather, but um, you know, we'll see how that goes. Here, here, late in the season, um, and then Alabama, I would probably put those guys third uh, out of the three as far as the best chance to to beat one of those teams. Now, what's the biggest question you've got for Tennessee heading into this opener at South Carolina on Saturday? Uh, just the disruption and physicality at the defensive line position. Um, I think losing Daryl Taylor, a guy that you know uh, each and every down has a chance to disrupt the quarterback and affect the quarterback. I think. Uh, not having him and not really hearing about uh, a, a guy, a group of guys stepping forward and, and just causing disruption and being super physical, uh, I think that's the biggest question that I have right now uh, with this football team. All right, final thing for you, Jason. I'm, I'm not asking for a record prediction just because, <laughs> you know, it's a 10-game season and, it, and it's just so weird and, and we, it's just very difficult to do that, but – by the end of the season, what's your prediction for where Tennessee ranks in that SEC East final standings? 
Oh, man. Whew. <laughs> Put you on the spot. Well, I mean, I think it depends on what happens with Kay Mays. I don't feel real co- um, confident in, in, in that situation uh, unless something changed in the last two hours, which I've, I've been out, you know, uh, out, of, out of commission for the last two hours. So unless something changed in the last two hours, I, I don't feel good about the Kay Mays plan. Um, I, I think Jared has to have a strong, strong um, showing. And uh, you look at the depth at running back, even though the top two are really good, um, a, a normal year you worry about the health, and then you add the contact tracing element to it. Uh, even if you're not positive, you got to sit out if you, you know, if you <laughs> – if you if you've been around someone who has tested positive, so will those guys be available? Uh, will everybody be available? I just think the margin is very very slim for Tennessee, a, tennis, a team that's still building depth, uh, key positions in recruiting. And uh, you know, I look at Georgia and Alabama, they're a little they're ahead of Tennessee in that area. So you gotta you gotta play dang good, man, dang good to be uh, right there at the top of the East. So I I I think Tennessee will finish. Uh, where they predicted, I think they'll finish around third, uh, and if, if you get some good play from the quarterback, possibly you could push for that for that number two, number two spot. But it's hard for me to believe right now that Tennessee's going to be sitting ahead of Georgia and Florida. Um, it wouldn't surprise me if they, you know, was in front of one, but not both of them. So I would say safe, safe pick three, um, some some bounces your way, some great play for some key players in, in the key game. Maybe two, but I'll, I'll say three just to be safe. All right, he's Jason Swain, host of the Swain Event, which airs weekdays from 7 a.m. to 10 a.m. You check that out at SwainEvent.com. Download the app, subscribe on the podcast. He's at Swain Event on Twitter. Must follow for Tennessee fans. And, you know, I went to the, you know, they didn't have a spring game this year, but the, the one previous, I went to it. And when I showed up, you know, I was getting right there with the parking lot, Neyland Stadium. And there was a line, a couple hundred people. I thought it was a stadium to get in. It was the line to meet Jason Swain and the Swain event crew. I mean, my God, you've got to be the most popular radio host in Knoxville. So I really, really do appreciate you hopping on here. I'm a big, big fan. And uh, I, I, I can't thank you enough. Oh, man, anytime, man. You keep doing your thing. And uh, uh, just give me a shout, man. I love to jump back on, man. Keep doing what you're doing. And I uh, appreciate the love. All right, Shade. I bet... Uh, you were just jealous as hell that I got to talk to Jason Sway today and talk some Tennessee football. How, how about it? What'd you think of that one? Man, I've been a fan of Jason Swain for a long, long time, Mike. Back before he, I mean, I remember when we were recruiting him mm-hmm. and uh, I didn't think, I honestly, I didn't think we'd steal him from, who was, I think he was going against Alabama. I mean, he's from Huntsville, I think. Yep. Somewhere down that that way, you know. So I just I never thought we'd get him. Then we'd get him up here. And then, you know, later later he's he's got a couple he did a couple of radio shows before his Swain event and uh been a follower ever, you know, ever since he's been here. So huge fan. I was glad that we got him on. Had a lot of great comments here, Mike. Uh was a little jealous. I thought this may be one of those interviews that you'd invite cousin Shane to, but <laughs> clearly that was a no-go. <laughs> and what what was the uh, most insightful thing you thought that he shared? You know, I really tried to hammer home the receiver position due to his experience there and he knows it, you know, as covering it, he knows it playing it, he knows the coaches, yeah. he knows the staff. So uh, what, what was your main takeaway about uh, all the insight he shared there? 
Well, it's, it's funny, Mike. You know, before you jumped into this interview, you did give me a courtesy to ask one question, and and, and that's the one I was most interested in. Was this was this young, talented uh, receiving core that we've got coming in? Yeah, uh, there's there's been a little hype, you know, talking about the amazing speed, the amazing catches, just the athleticism of these these uh, freshman wide receivers, and and that just I, I don't know. I think that was the biggest part for me was just a little more clarity uh, to, to what I've already heard. So this is, uh, I don't know, you hear it from enough people, especially credible people like Jason Swain. Uh, you get a little bit more excited about what we're going to have out there as far as receivers. Cause I was worried, man, I, I ain't gonna lie. I mean, you lose, a, you, you lose a dog like, like Jawan Jennings. And, uh, you know, I got to see Callaway the other day, uh, at the saints and stuff like that. You know, we've had some great talent come through there. Now we've got some, we've got some prove it players. Uh, and you know, he was pretty high on Palmer and I, I, I loved what Palmer did last year. And, uh, just the fact that he thinks he could build off last season's, uh, excites me, Mike. All right, Shane. So that's all I got on this episode. It's been, um, you know, it's been fun doing all these interviews and doing the podcast. Yesterday, yeah. we put out a damn two-hour, 15 show, <laughs> and, and this one's going to be a long one with these interviews, but I'm about to pass out from all this stuff, so, <laughs> hey, man, I think that's all I got on this one. When people are listening to this, we're going to be about 48 hours from kickoff after over 100 days of doubt that it may happen here, so... Man, I'm just fired up for it. You got anything else before we hop off? No, man. I mean, clearly you didn't ask why I was in the mountains. I was sacrificing a rooster for this week's game, Mike. <laughs> a lot of people looking at me weird with a live rooster on my back, but I had I had things to do. So, no, I'm just kidding. No, no animals were harmed. Uh, I mean, I was harmed. I mean, I'm still sore. I'm, I got ice bags open. I mean, I feel like. I got ran over by a train, but Mike, the ratings reviews that really does help us out. We've got a lot more new koozies coming in. So all we're asking is five-star rating review on iTunes, uh, screenshot that email it to that sec podcast. And, uh, Mike will be sure to send you a koozie and, uh, of your choice. And, and I mean, it's small, small price to pay for, for a little effort that you, you put in. Cause that's, that really does help us out. And uh, I will be reading those tomorrow, so you got uh, last day to uh, to get those in. Yeah, it's going to be a pick 'em show. I'm really fired up for it. I'm feeling good about these picks, pick buddy. <laughs> Absolutely. And like Shane said, we got Florida, Georgia, South Carolina, Tennessee, Arkansas, Auburn. I mean, we got all those fan bases covered. We're going to have more, you know, as time goes on. We're not trying to overlook the rest of you, but. Hell, that's, that's quite a bit of a selection there, so get us in those five-star rating and reviews. Shane's going to read them. I'll be sending the koozies out. And, man, I'm just I'm just fired up for the season, Shane. Heck yeah, brother. I am too, man. And that's all I got, Mike, and I look forward to seeing you guys tomorrow. All right, that's going to do it. Thanks for joining me as always. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. We'll catch you on the next one. All right, see you guys. Go Vols. <laughs>